This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. The Gospel of Luke, People Jesus Met. So in dealing with this uh, subject this afternoon, it'd be easy for me to simply uh, you know, read off a list of names and then sit back down. But this would really serve no purpose at all. So instead, I'd like us to uh, look at a selection of people that Jesus came into contact with from this Gospel of Luke. Uh, look at the influence that he had on these people and then observe some of the circumstances which occurred and then from this we thereby get to know Jesus and how he treated others by the miracles that he performed and the salvation which he brought to mankind now the uh, gospels are packed with uh, accounts of individuals who Jesus met and each of them came from different walks of life and had diverse problems in their lives and so this demonstrates to us that no matter who we are or where we've come from, there is salvation for those who seek it. And we're actually only going to be looking at uh, three sets of people this afternoon. Uh, hopefully uh, this will help us to understand the gospel that little bit more. And one thing that I just want us to uh, kind of bear in mind as we go throughout our short time this afternoon is that all of these accounts were real. The people lived and walked on this earth and the events that took place were real. And this is the reason why I you know, refrain from calling them stories. So, the, uh, the first individual that I want us to actually take a look at is Legion. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke and indeed Mark, Jesus meets a man who is commonly referred to as Legion or the man in the tombs. Just come with me to uh, Luke chapter 8. I know we've read this already for our introduction, but we'll, uh, we'll read it again just for emphasis. So Luke chapter 8, and there at verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had uh, devils long time, and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, What do I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake his bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion. Because many devils were entered into him, and they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there a herd of swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. And then when the devils out of the man entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and were choked. And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went out and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they also which saw it, told by what means he was possessed of the devils, was healed. Now, 
when our Bibles were translated, uh, there was a particular bias uh, towards supernatural spirits and devils, simply because there was a, a lack of knowledge regarding some physical and mental health conditions. Which is why this account, both here and in the Gospel of Mark, refers to this man as having many devils. There was also grounds for those in that day having you know, very little knowledge of what was wrong with this man, especially since it appears that he was either uh, you know, chained up by either his parents or even the people that knew him. So devils, evil spirits or demons are simply severe physical or mental health conditions, some of which you know, we could classify today as uh, things like epilepsy, schizophrenia, bipolar. And you know, obviously today we have the advantage of being able to identify certain illnesses through the progression of medical development. And in fact, just to back this up, just come a couple of chapters before into Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 there, and at verse 17 it says, And he came down with them and stood in the plain, that's Jesus, and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And so it groups both parties together there, those who had known diseases and those who had unclean spirits or devils. And the solution is there, it says, and they were healed. So that is both the unclean spirits and the diseases. Now usually uh, those who are supposed to have been you know, possessed would have had an exorcism performed upon them. But we hear no such things in the Bible regarding these types of problems. They're healed because they're just illnesses. And so we can uh, discount uh, supernatural deities being present within this man. And we can assume that he had some sort of extreme mental health condition. But the actual cause of the problem is irrelevant. It's the solution which is of paramount importance. Not only does Jesus have compassion upon this man when others had readily abandoned him, but he also teaches the important lesson of baptism through, the, through symbol in the events that took place. Just come over to uh, Romans chapter 6 just to illustrate this. We just want to look at the, uh, the act of baptism and what it symbolises. So Romans chapter 6 and there at verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And so then, uh, you know, when we, after reading that, and we look back at the account of Legion there, we can look at the different elements, and we can see the illness being put upon the swine and then running into the lake. Uh, we can see that the swine represents sinfulness, which is uh, then cast into the waters, which in turn speaks of victory over sin through baptism. 
And so the lesson that Jesus teaches uh, by meeting this man is twofold. Firstly, he cures him of that traumatic sickness. And then secondly, he reveals the method by which all can be saved from sin by that act of baptism. Uh, the next individual that I want us to take a look at is uh, Jairus. Now, Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue and his daughter was extremely ill and she was pretty much on the verge of death. Further on in this chapter 8 of Luke here, uh, Jairus seeks Jesus out. He must have heard of Jesus. He must have heard of his ability to heal. So just come with me there uh, into Luke chapter 8 and there at verse Forty-one. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house, for he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a dying. And as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him, touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee, and pressed thee, and, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody had touched me, for I perceive that the virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw what was, that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how that she, had, she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And while he yet spake, there cometh from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to her in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And they all wept and bewailed. But he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put all, them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And the spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. And so Jairus seeks Jesus out, and he pleads with Jesus to heal his daughter who is dying. Jairus is clearly upset here. You know, it appears to be worrying over this traumatic situation with his daughter about to die. But as they hastily leave to travel to Jairus' house, Jesus is interrupted and his attention is diverted elsewhere. And we see the woman who remains nameless in that record there capture his attention. And Jesus responds by patiently spending time with her and healing of her infirmity. <coughs> we can just imagine how anxious Jairus must have been throughout that time, you know, and it was heightened when he received that terrible message from that acquaintance that his daughter had passed away. And just for a few moments there, we can pause and just imagine how he must have felt. And it's almost as though this delay was intentional. 
So that by the events that took place, Jesus could perform the miracle and therefore teach the people and indeed us an essential lesson. You know, a great portion of our time and our energy is spent worrying over things in our lives, whether they are small, insignificant things, trivial things, or even overwhelming circumstances, distress or tragedy. But we arrive at this intriguing account here, which puts all of these things into the right place to give us that better perspective. And herein lies the lesson. Jesus has our past, he has our present, and he has our future in his hands. He has our past because we can repent, be baptised, and obtain forgiveness for our sins by approaching God in prayer through him. He has our present because he understands the trials that we encounter, because he bore the same nature as us, and he experienced the same troubles that we do. And he has our future because if we are faithful and we put our trust in him, both he and his father will guide and influence our lives. Now another interesting thing, that I just, uh, just as an aside, uh, to note is that uh, this girl here in the record is 12 years old and then the lady who stopped them suffered for 12 years. This is no coincidence. There is great significance throughout the Bible concerning the number 12. We're not going to go into any of these in detail or anything uh, except just to mention a few. Uh, Jesus' first words are uttered when he's 12 years old. Jesus appointed 12 apostles. In the Old Testament, Jacob had 12 sons. And then we have the 12 tribes of Israel. And the high priest's breastplate had 12 stones embedded within it. Now I'm going to move on to chapter 21 of Luke, if you just turn over there with me. I'm going to consider the widow and two mites. Now throughout the Gospel of Luke, up until this very point here in chapter 21, uh, we read of constant conflict uh, from the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and from the crowds that followed Jesus. But in this Luke chapter 21 here, things shift and the persistent challenges cease for the moment. We arrive at the beginning there of Luke chapter 21 and we encounter this widow. And actually, just to get a little bit of context, if we drop into the previous chapter, just at the very end there, uh, we read in verse 45, Then in the audience of all the people, he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes, Love greetings in the markets, and the highest seats in the synagogues, and the chief rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater condemnation. And he looked up, and saw the rich men casting in their gifts into the treasury, and saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow have cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But of her penury have cast in all in sorry. But she of her penury have cast in all her living that she had. And so at the end there of, of Luke chapter twenty, Jesus is talking about these very people that have been causing the conflict throughout uh, his journeys thus far. 
And there is a warning for his disciples and indeed for us too. And it's not to develop these similar traits of having a love of being seen and respected of others. Of having positions of authority and bathing in the glory. Of being in positions of trust and taking advantage. Of having false motives to impress men and not God. And then we come, don't we, to this destitute lady in chapter 21. A widow which counters all of these proud and deceitful attributes. There's a clear distinction between the rich and the poor here. Now, just to give you a bit of insight, uh, it appears here to be a financial collection taking place. and uh, It was common in those times uh, to have a trumpet-shaped receptacle which led to a collection box at the bottom. And you can just imagine the noise and the clatter as the wealthy and the rich men cast in their money, which we see there in, in verse 1. There was nothing discreet about these events taking place. This collection box was intentionally designed in such a fashion to draw as much attention as possible. And this kind of works in hand in hand with those uh, that were warned about there in the latter end of chapter 20. And then we arrive at this poor deprived widow and she comes along, she just drops in two mites. And we can be certain that contribution generated no such noise compared to the rich. So then, what can we learn from these things? Well, how much the lady donated in monetary terms was irrelevant. What it really boils down to is how much of a sacrifice it is to the individual. Jesus goes as far as to say there in the record, it says, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. So we definitely know that the objective isn't to cast in a specific sum of money. Or to do so in a pretentious way. The reason Jesus says there more than they all. Is that she willingly sacrificed those two mites. Which were probably all that she had. And as a result would suffer great loss. You see it's her state of mind. It's that humble spirit. It's the willingness to give what we have. Even if it comes at a great loss. Or great detriment to our lives. And we're not just talking about money here. We're talking about time and service to God. And the reason that God wants this is because it refines our character. And in time it will reduce or even completely remove the pride and the deceitfulness which can manifest within our lives. So then, uh, we've looked at uh, a number of individuals uh, which feature in the Gospel of Luke which Jesus met, he encountered and he healed and really we could have looked at even more and you know, there's countless men and women throughout the record there in the Gospels that came into contact with Jesus but I think the ones that we've looked at I think it's quite clear that the response and the impact that he had on these people he captivated those who he met he was instrumental in bringing salvation to mankind and Jesus always always thought of others before himself and we've seen haven't we how he handled troubling situations with meekness by having compassion on those who desperately needed his help and it's that very category of people that are receptive to the call of the gospel over in the first of Timothy in chapter 1 it emphasises this for us and the apostle Paul says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners 
of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a path unto them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And so often we find that it isn't the rich and the proud that were receptive or even needful of his salvation. It was the poor who were able to absorb his message. Because they weren't overwhelmed by lust. They weren't overwhelmed by pride which commonly reveals itself in the wealthy of this world. And so it is that the less possessions that we have, the less we have to worry about and concern ourselves with. And we can therefore open our hearts to the joys of the gospel. So then, we deduce from these fascinating accounts that Jesus changed the lives of many who he came into contact with. And he can change our lives too if we believe with all our hearts, if we repent, we are baptised into his name and we trust on him in true faith. And to conclude, I just want us to, well, I just want to read some verses to you uh, from the Gospel of John, which help to highlight our position and the great hope which we can have if we commit to following him. Jesus is uh, speaking here to Thomas just after his resurrection. This is John chapter 20 and verse 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Music